Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingleton. Hiller Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Thanks, Neil. Welcome back to another edition of the Clay Young Show. Smack dab in the middle of the Twilight Zone. As we deal with COVID-19, talked about it a bit last week with George Bell with the Capital Area United Way, as a lot of the information about this was breaking to the public en masse. And since then, we know a bit more about it. We also have been made to understand some ways or some precautions we can take to avoid catching it, if you will, but A lot of the numbers say it's a high probability that people will be infected, but it doesn't necessarily mean a high probability that you will die from it. So there is a lot of misinformation out there, and that leads us to what we're talking about today. In fact, that's why the show is delayed a couple of days this week. Uh, It's because I wanted to talk about some of the rumors that seemed to go crazy yesterday as we record this. Now, I'm recording on a Friday, Friday the 20th, as you are hearing this whenever you're hearing it. And on the on Thursday, everything from talks about martial law to nationalizing gas stations and grocery stores and locking down this city and this region and everything that's out there to the to the to the uh, the fact that the governor had to get on had to release a statement rather denying some of this or shooting some of those down. And I said, well, listen. Let me see about having a conversation with a few officials around here to get them to speak to the rumors that have been out there. And we've done that. So now this is going to be a a bit different in what you can do with a podcast that is a little bit different than than, say, live broadcast. Okay, so as I record this open, I have already done interviews now, just wrapped up interviews with the mayor president, the mayor of the city of Baton Rouge and president of East Baton Rouge Parish, Sharon Weston Broom. I've also spoken to Sheriff Sid Gotro, East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff Sid Gotro and Baton Rouge Police Chief Murphy Paul. They were both here in studio with me, as was the mayor. Separate interviews. My interview with the mayor was, the way you're going to hear it, her interview will run first okay and you will hear me reference my conversation with the chief and some of this it's a bit out of order but that's okay the information that you'll get is relevant and we're going to talk about some of those rumors and then deal with (laughs) what the reality is I am also going to talk with Dr. Curtis Chastain who is likely to be the second of our of our interviews, the longest of the three being the conversation between the police chief and the sheriff. And Dr. Curtis Chastain will deal with some of the information that, that has been out there about COVID-19, some things that you can do, some smart, common sense, practical ways that you can go about dealing with this. So we'll ask him those questions. I've also got some questions. I solicited questions from people 
who had some concerns about a great number of things. And I'm going to ask these people questions that I've gotten from you and then just address, because I think for a lot of you, your questions are my questions and we'll deal with the rumor mill. I will say that I don't think this is a time dealing with this for partisanship and divisive rhetoric because it's such a, it's such a different thing that we're dealing with. There is no precedent really for this. And I do believe that at all levels, we should be trying to just get to the solution and deal with this as best we can and leave the politics for the other side of this. And I would encourage people to do the same thing. Like, let's just not do it. Respect leadership. Listen to what they're asking you to do so that we can just get back to business you know, on the other side of this. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. And I hope that you would do the same. In fact, I know that your days have been disrupted. Your routines have been disrupted because of this. Hey, we're all in the same boat. But I think this is one of those times where you reset your normal, right? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you had what you knew as normal. A lot of that's different now. And some of that you will get back. Some of that you may never get back. Who knows? But I do think we should try to comply with the information we're giving, given and keep our heads. And for goodness sakes, if your source for factual information is social media only and not from sources that use social media, and I mean the White House, the governor's office, the mayor's office, the police chief, the sheriff, medical people, hospitals, whatever. if it's not coming from them, the CDC, if it's not, if it's not coming from them, Question it, please verify it. Trust nothing you read without verification. I mean, you just need to be sure, right? That's, that's one thing I would throw at you so that you may maintain your sanity. So let's dig into some of the rumors about COVID-19 and what's happening in the area and what you can do about it as we kick ahead with this episode of the show. Podcast225.com. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. The issues, the policies, the people. This is The Clay Young Show. Sharon Weston Broom is the mayor of the city of Baton Rouge and the president of East Baton Rouge Parish. Within the last 10 days, there have been so many things said about COVID-19 
and this region, and we felt it important to bring the mayor president here in studio to speak to you directly about what's going on. Uh, we spoke to the chief just a moment ago, and Madam Mayor, it's it's been interesting, to say the least, in the last uh, couple of weeks about COVID-19 and, and the way people are consuming information about it. And so I'll start with you the same way I started with the chief. Give us your perspective on this new thing that we're dealing with that is not a hurricane or yeah. a flood or a tornado. It is certainly uh, an anomaly, um, a crisis that we've never dealt with, certainly in my lifetime, un- unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know there were uh, crises in history that I used to hear my my father talk about. Right. Um, but now we have to make adjustments uh, to what is, for this season, a, a new way of life. And it is uh, certainly provoking uh, major adjustments uh, for us as a nation, as a state, and as a city and parish. So as of this morning, and you may, and as we record this, mm-hmm. this is information I have from mm-hmm. this morning, and obviously you're going to have the most accurate information, that there are two cases of COVID-19 in Ascension, one in Iberville, one in Livingston, one in West Baton Rouge, and seven here in East Baton Rouge Parish. Is that still accurate? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. And we've had... Overall, and again, this is as of this morning, 479 positive cases across Louisiana and 11 deaths. So we dealt with rumors Mm -hmm. a second ago. The chief dealt with the rumor about martial law and Mm -hmm. the government nationalizing gas stations and Mm -hmm. shutting people out of grocery stores Mm -hmm. and all of that. Could you speak to some of that misinformation that's been spread on social media? Yeah, let me just say that um, we are not a community that has ever been driven by fear. Uh, We are a community that exemplifies resilience in everything that goes on. But unfortunately, during seasons like this, there tends to be an onslaught or deluge of uh, misinformation uh, as it relates to what we're dealing with with COVID-19. The r- rumor mill yeah. is alive and yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and so I have seen a lot of texts and emails about martial law or the president quarantining uh, the country in 48 hours. Uh, and so rumors like this during challenging times only contribute to increased feelings of anxiety mm-hmm. with our, our citizens. I can assure you that the rumors that are being promulgated are hoaxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are not true. If indeed, and and I always say this, Clay, we are in a season where information right now, as we deal with COVID-19, is fluid. Mm -hmm. It's constantly changing. The numbers are changing. The cases are changing. The president, uh, is uh, his directives are changing. Mm -hmm. The governor's directives are changing. Our directives are changing. A city parish, for example, just this uh, yesterday, I uh, said that City Parish is going to be closed beginning on uh, Monday uh, just to we're releasing non-essential employees. So information is constantly changing. That's why it's so important for people to connect to a reliable and credible source. Absolutely. And and I shared that with people yesterday, that if you're not hearing it from the the White House, the governor's uh, office or the office of the mayor president, then 
be suspect about it because most people who are getting information to these respective constituencies are going through those respective offices, correct? Correct. And Absolutely. so any other place, be skeptical about it. Correct. Now, That's just like um, today or in the past two days, I've been getting information, <laughs> rumors, people have been asking me to uh, validate whether it's true or not about signing on to 2020 census uh, oh, to yeah. get your $500 or $1,000 check. And that is not how the, gov- uh, the government is going to roll out giving the, right. that money away. It won't right. be like that. Right. And unfortunately, what people will end up doing is giving away, giving out personal information that's, right. uh, that's someone will use to, to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. So please beware of, of those hoaxes, of that spam that's out there. One of the things that you have been doing, and, and because you are mayor president, we can talk about this from a... The, the, from the standpoint of residents, before we get to business, there are a lot of people who cannot go out and earn a living because of all of the new social, social distancing Correct. mandates that are out there. Talk about some of the things that have happened to help assist people in this time of not being able to leave waiters and waitresses and people yeah. in the service industry. Absolutely. We uh, recently rolled out a uh, initiative that is going to really uh, take off next week, and okay. it's called Keep BR Serving, uh, giving back to those who serve you. So I uh, convened a group of uh, business people, uh, specifically folks in the restaurant industry, because okay. they have a lot of people who rely uh, they only make like $2.13 an hour. So those tips absolutely are really their salary and their yeah. income. And so now they don't have that because we are still encouraging people to dine out, to take out, visit yeah. restaurants, but just get your food to go. Yeah. So this initiative is uh, asking people uh, to buy gift cards. And every gift card... Uh, 20% of a purchase will go directly to cover lost tips and wages. And I am specifically uh, challenging big businesses to buy at least 500 of those uh, gift cards Mm -hmm. to really infuse um, the industry. And so you will hear me and other uh, high profile mm-hmm. uh, folks next week really encourage people to participate in this. And that's one way we're trying to close that uh, gap in the service industry for those who work in restaurants. And then what about other businesses? Because there are people who have, you know, a couple hundred employees in their offices and doing work. And, and some of them have now had to downsize or shift their operation to a remote mm-hmm. uh, setup where people are working from laptops from mm-hmm. home. Kind of speak to that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, well, first of all, for employers and businesses, uh, the SBA loan has now been approved for uh, the disaster recovery loan for Louisiana. Okay. So employers can now pursue that online. Um, for other individuals, for example, if you fall into a, a category where you need unemployment, I believe uh, the Louisiana Workforce Commission is now has now established uh, some guidelines for unemployment. Um, I just got information, and and this goes to show you that we are a community united to get through this. Um, I did an executive order um, which suspended. Uh, disconnections of utilities uh, between uh, now until further notice. Yeah. 
and so that will help people. We've also asked uh, those people who are landlords to yeah. take a compassionate approach about yeah. evictions. Uh, now, one good thing about that is that the, you know, the courts are closed, so there won't <laughs> be any evictions too much going on. Yeah. But, uh, and the other is that on a national level, uh, all FHA loans are now, um, um, there will be no evictions around mm-hmm. uh, those. Uh, so that is something that we've taken the initiative to kind of close the gap and, and help people. You know, I wanted to ask you, because you talked about S- the SBA, you, you made a mention about taxes that are owed, sales taxes to oh, the that's right. parish. Yeah. yeah, and so one of the other initiatives that we have uh, implemented to help close the gap and give more margin to business people is to um, extend the deadline Mm -hmm. for anyone. That's anyone who, any business that pays sales taxes to the city, your February and March sales taxes are extended uh, to April and May, Mm -hmm. and there will be no penalties attached to that. Still going to owe it. You're still going to owe it. You still got to pay it, but you have a little margin now. And I've heard from a number of business people that they appreciate that Mm because, you know, that gives you a little cushion as you try to work through this whole issue of your uh, economy as a as a business person. So that's another initiative. The stress that people have, I asked the chief about this uh, when he was here earlier, the stress that people feel because they're they're stuck in their houses. And I mean, there are worse things, mm-hmm. but you know how people are used to moving around yeah. and your routine is disrupted mm-hmm. because look, I'm going through it too because mm-hmm. I can't go to the gym, but yeah. But you have to make adjustments. So from your perspective to the people in the in the mm-hmm. parish and in the region, what do you say to people who are kind of freaking out because they're stuck in their homes now for going on a week? Well, I think we have to be creative and innovative. Uh, pretty soon you'll see me do some move with the mayor moves that you can do inside your house or in your yard to get a little exercise. Doing an exercise video? Now? Yeah, I'm going to do an exercise video. Whatever it takes to help us get through this, I'm willing to do it. And uh, then also we, and I'm going to talk about two things, Clay. First of all, I'm very concerned about our first responders in this space. You know, they are on the front lines helping us and we need to help them, whether it's our doctors, our nurses, anybody, any healthcare professional, our law enforcement, police, sheriff, our EMS, fire. Uh, They're on the front. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're on the front line. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure and I've sent this message out to my uh, employees in, in that under that umbrella in city parish government, that their well-being is a top priority. And we're going to make sure that we do everything we possibly can uh, to make sure that they stay stay safe and healthy Mm -hmm. uh, during um, this season. But I'm just going to give you a personal example. You know, we're staggering some of the hours with my senior staff Mm -hmm. because I tell you, I have a great team and they've been working day in and day out. And then the other day we came to the realization, hey, we need to back away for a minute and let everybody retool and refuel because this is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Yeah. And so I we can't lose I can't lose my senior staff in right. this process. So I want them to stay connected to their families to get, you know, refresh. Uh, I when I take off now, I've gotten the first gentleman to join me in a little social distancing walking in the neighborhood with our dog. And, you know, it's so beautiful, isn't it? It's really interesting. The 
um, dichotomy. I just said that to the chief, the juxtaposition of <laughs> yeah. the crisis, and then you look, look outside, outside, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, and actually, it's healthy for you to be outside right. uh, during this uh, season of dealing with uh, COVID-19. So, it's okay to go outside, just, you know, we're not, we don't want people to go out in crowds, mm-hmm. but we want people to uh, certainly demonstrate social distancing. And as you've heard from the governor and so many others, uh, the next two weeks are critical. The next 15 days are critical for us to get a grip on COVID-19 uh, so we uh, can flatten the, the curve. curve. Yeah. yeah. The social services that the city and the parish provide on a daily basis. We've seen that the garbage is still being picked up uh, and, and, and a lot of operations have to go on. Talk through the, yeah. the normal way of business mm-hmm. Saturday yeah. to Sunday that are happening and then the changes that we can see yeah. as a result of this. I will tell you that there will be very few changes. Okay. Our goal in city parish government is to maintain a level of normalcy. Uh, so that means that we want to keep our basic services that we provide uninterrupted. Okay. That means garbage. That means permits. Because guess what? There are people still building Absolutely. that need permits. And so we, we're just... Parish work- needs them to keep building, too. And we need them now like ever before, never before. So that's very important. And so what we're doing, uh, many of our employees are working remotely. Yeah. Uh, and so we will be providing, if you go to um, uh, City Parish website... Uh, we will be providing information of phone numbers that yeah. you can call. So our goal is during this process, we still want our citizens and our constituents to be connected with yeah. us. And we are still there to provide uh, services. Uh, our department heads are chiseling down to essential uh, personnel. Uh, but at the end of the day, I feel very uh, comfortable and good that we will be sustaining our services the testing facility that you set up going on a week now at Baton Rouge General uh, at Florida. It's, um, it's at the Mid City Mid City location. location mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, kind of talk about that, and you know, because for a while people were lining up, mm-hmm. and then it was made clear that you needed to have a directive from your MD, from Correct. your primary care physician, to yeah. be there. Give us an update. So, first of all, I think I need to offer clarity about okay. that site. Um, that is not a federal site, right? It was not set up by the federal government. It was not set up by the state government. It is a volunteer effort that was established by my office mm-hmm. along with the support of our area hospitals. And kudos to all of our area hospitals. Rock and stars. The, and the, that's right. And the, and the healthcare professionals, they are volunteering their time. The health kits that we use there to test people, I'm sorry, the testing kits that are used there, those kits are coming from the inventory of those private hospitals trying to reach out and respond in a crisis. So thank you again to them. So during this past week, we have uh, that facility, uh, drive-through facility, has done over 552 tests, I want to say. And what we have- And that's as we record. That's as we record. By the time you listen, that number may have been doubled. Exactly. And so we started out 
um, with a long line of people on Monday and realized that we had to establish a protocol. And our protocol aligns with the discussion that is taking place nationally around this COVID-19. And that is there are certain members of our community who are more vulnerable than others. Correct. If you are in that uh, group uh, that has been designated as a vulnerable group, if you have an underlying health uh, condition, then you should contact your doctor. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a doctor, um, Contact a list that we have provided online of healthcare professionals in urgent care clinics, federally qualified health clinics that are there to direct you and connect you with a primary care physician. That primary care physician will talk to you over the phone and based on what you describe as your symptoms, mm-hmm. they will then um craft an order for you that order will be faxed in to the most sub location now i will tell you that what we have done now is for example uh just to say hypothetically this this is uh uh wednesday okay uh it is not wednesday hypothetically uh it's wednesday well if you came in if your order was faxed in tuesday uh by six o'clock then you will be in the wednesday group because okay. what we found is that some people's orders were coming in when we first started it mm-hmm. on Monday. They didn't get seen. And then a whole fresh group of people came in on Tuesday. Okay. So we wanted to make sure that those people who were uh, on that list Monday got taken care of. So now what we're doing every day, you should make sure that your uh, if your order is faxed in by 6 o'clock, our goal is to make sure you're seen the next day. Where did the idea to do this come from? Well, it was a collaboration. I sat in a uh, room with our health care providers throughout the um, city, our mayor's office of um, Mayor's Healthy City uh, Initiative, um, our our team. We all sat down to see how we could be proactive in this crisis. And so it was a collaboration between our office and the health care providers in our community that came up with this um, drive through. And I, I will say that we are I believe we have been. Um, uh, you know, on the cutting edge in terms of being proactive. Uh, This is a challenging uh, time for us as a city and as a parish. Um, But I want our citizens to know that we are doing everything possible to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are taking, we, we have taken proactive steps in that arena and we will continue. We will continue to push out information. We want people, we want to flatten the curve and we don't want to have the impact that other uh, cities are having. Right. So, you know, I was asking about questions and most of the questions that I asked for either on social media or via email dealt with some of the things that you've already talked about. And the chief talked about from martial law to shutdown and some specifically childcare centers and schools Mm -hmm. Uh, questions about that Mm -hmm. because you've got the public school system that is shut down until further notice, but they're private schools that, that are, that are a little bit different and some Mm -hmm. of them are making. So obviously that's outside of the purview Mm -hmm. of, of Mm -hmm. governance, but what would be your advice to people who run these schools and to the parents who send their children to them? Well, I will tell you, uh, we have been in constant communication with the East Baton Rouge Parish School System. Mm -hmm. And to that extent, we've been collaborating with them as they have uh, pushed out their 
uh, sites for uh, daily feeding yeah. and providing food. Uh, and they have a number of sites throughout the city and parish. You can find them online as well. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding that the governor has recently requested that the high stakes testing uh, not take place this year. Right. Um, the, the education space is continually uh, evolving as mm-hmm. we speak. Um, uh, you know, it, it seems like we are headed based on the information I have towards um, not reconvening school, but things are constantly fluid. Right. Um, and I believe between communication with the state um, Division of Education, Department of Education, and our East Baton Rouge Parish School Board, um, information is going to be pushed out very soon. Because right. these are these questions around education are constantly sure. popping up. But people are concerned about their students and how their you know children their students how to how to uh, make sure that they sustain themselves academically during this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, questions are coming up about uh, graduation, right. uh, what's going to happen. Won't and, be any and, proms, and proms this year. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, I talked with a group uh, even this morning, and I believe those responses to those questions are going to be rolled out okay. um, by the um, education community. And for child care centers and yes. people who run those centers around, yeah. the, the, the governor, as I understand it, didn't uh, he, he's okay with their those remaining open yes. because of what it allows people who have to go to work to be able to take care exactly of. exactly so our child care centers are still operational uh they are under uh the umbrella of uh, uh the department of children and family services mm-hmm. with the state mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right these are essential personnel these first responders that we talked about they have to have a place right uh, for their children to go but i understand that they are, are that the daycare centers the child care centers are uh implementing uh, safe and sanitized practices mm-hmm. uh, that coincide with what has been requested on the uh, federal and state level as it relates to social distancing and numbers. The chief spoke earlier about how it's going to be, and and as much as he can, have business as usual with his department and with some changes about nonviolent interactions and how headquarters is going to be basically shut down in the interim, but essential services will still go on. You spoke to the city government, day-to-day operation mm-hmm. is, is, is going to be unchanged, unchanged. but you know, people are still concerned about being able to get answers to questions mm-hmm. about, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. permitting and mm-hmm. policy. Mm-hmm. What about that? Yeah. So if there are any questions, we are setting up a, uh, a hotline of sorts uh, that people can connect to. They can first right now call the um, 311 number. Right. Uh, and in addition, they can call 389-3100. We will have phones staffed. Okay. Uh, so they will be able to connect with someone. So I got a question from somebody about real estate. And, and this may be something that, that may be out of your purview. But mm-hmm. it says a lot of help and, and assistance has been given to those with lower and moderate income as well as restaurants as it should be. Mm-hmm. However, the two million of us in the real estate industry are, according to this person, being ignored. From what I gather, a decent amount of us aren't eligible for assistance due to our income, which is solely dependent upon commission paid at closing. Has anyone thought to include or introduce a bill to assist those of us who are abiding by shelter at home? And I guess specifically for real estate. So mm-hmm. it's tax credits on 
uh, on their face seem nice, but we also need capital to continue to run our businesses as well as fund our monthly obligations. I would think that they uh, fall into the small business uh, category and would uh, certainly I know people don't like to hear the word loans or, you know, (laughs) but they would certainly fall into that uh, category. I will tell you that our office, as we hear questions like this, mm-hmm. we're continuously trying to craft responses right. uh, that will assist all the different business constituencies that exist in our uh, town. Some of them are going, some general moves that we take will be applicable to an entire uh, group of businesses. Mm-hmm. But there there are some businesses that have you very unique situations, and, and so our goal is to try to be responsive. So while I've not heard the specific uh, questions around real estate, I'm certainly right. going to d- take note of that. Well, and, and when I said to people that you would be in here, there's you've already given a great deal of information as it relates to vaccines and, and everything mm-hmm. being shared. Do you know anything more about that that you can share? Around COVID-19? Yeah. I know there's a lot of uh, research going on right now around that, but there's none that we can, you know, utilize at this time. But uh, from everything that I've been reading and hearing, um, um, they are certainly doing some research and very perhaps very close to having a response, a medical uh, uh, or I should say a medicinal uh, response to uh, COVID-19. But in the meantime, Mm -hmm. we've got to practice good hygiene, uh, social distancing and all of the uh, um, well, all of the requests that we've been making of people um, to avoid the the COVID-19 pandemic. And and again, where can people go to get information or follow the information mm-hmm. that your office is putting out? They can go to brla.gov slash coronavirus. Okay. brla.gov slash coronavirus. And of course, you, if you follow the city or the mayor on social media, you see a lot of the information that's coming out. Please on follow a, on our social media platforms. We've got a deluge of information. Uh, you know, as I said to the chief podcasts, get right to people because they're on demand any and every time uh, you want to use the platform to get information out. You know where I am. Thank you, Clay. Appreciate it. The only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime. There was a shooting. Okay, if someone's shot. Yes, someone is shot. The Crime Stoppers podcast with Clay Young. Just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before. Real stories. It was my first love. Real crimes. Real people. Real justice. (laughs) The Crime Stoppers podcast with Clay Young exclusively at podcast225.com. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. John, we have known for years the damage caused by termites in this part of the country, and the season's about to begin again, so it's time for prevention. Yes, it really is. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, in the next couple of weeks with the warmer weather, you may start seeing signs of winged termites flying okay. in your home. Swarming. Swarming. These are these are subterraneans. These are not the Formosans. You'll notice pinholes in your sheetrock. But mm-hmm. the first thing you want to do is go outside and find the tunnels along the side of the home. Okay. If you find that, you need to come see us. We carry the exact same products the professionals right. use. And these are soil barrier treatments right. that'll last 10 years. And you can do it yourself and save money. Excellent. So if you're in the New Orleans area, where can I get this stuff? 
Well, come by and see us in Metairie. We're located at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill. On the North Shore, we're at 1417 North Highway 190. That's in the same shopping center as Villery Florist and Sherwin-Williams. And on the West Bank, we're on the Palco just past the Harvey Bridge. That's New Orleans. What about the Capital City area? And well, in Baton Rouge, we're located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or give us a call at 273-4788 if you have any questions. Don't get caught unprepared. Use what the pros use by going to Pest Stop on O'Neill Lane. This is Podcast225.com and The Clay Young Show. Back with Dr. Kurt Chastain with Lake Men's Health. He's a doctor of internal medicine. He's the medical person with all of the credentials and the expertise to talk with us about COVID-19 and some of the craziness that's going on. So, Doc, how are you holding up with everything going on right now? Everything's going very well. Everything's very, uh, so far, you know, there's a lot of, as you said, uh, confusion out in the public. There's still a lot of confusion on our side as well as far as how to manage uh, this unprecedented um, illness that's going through the community, which seems to be so bad if you look at the media, but everybody kind of looks around and doesn't see anybody that's that sick. Yeah, and I think that's a part of this that that has thrown people off, is you hear the big numbers and you see the panic uh, coming out of Washington and coming from the mayor's office and the governor's office, and, and the reality doesn't necessarily appear it hasn't materialized but that doesn't mean that this is any less serious a thing to think about right you're absolutely you could not be more accurate and that's the thing we are going to have to defer to the experts on this people who are a lot smarter than we are about about this whole thing because they've been studying it they've studied what's going on in china that study what's going on in italy and i don't have to repeat what the governor and dr uh Katie O'Neill has so eloquently laid out the, you know, the flattening of the curve scenario is going to be critical if we're going to get to the other side of this thing. And the problem is, Clay, that it's it's not what you see from an illness standpoint. It's what you see. It's what you don't see. Because the people that look perfectly healthy could be carriers of the virus, and that's just the fact. And it's. Same thing, frankly, has been happening with the flu for years, but we've sort of come to know and understand the flu, and we've become sort of accepting of the flu, and we we know every year there's going to be illness and there's going to be deaths, but we go about our business, and we all have partial immunity to the flu from the vaccine and that kind of stuff. The problem is the this is an unknown. We don't know this guy like we know the flu. And so whenever there's uh, the unknown, we're anxious. And that's a normal reaction. So while the flu numbers are iterations higher than what we have right now, and we should still be scared of the traditional, I say scared, we should, should still be concerned about the traditional flu, this guy comes into the community and we don't even, rec- we don't even know how to recognize him yet. Until he, right. until he, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where the anxiety comes in because we've not had to deal with this before. It's 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 interesting because that factor has led to a lot of the rumors that have been that have been out there about everything from martial law to federalization of gas stations, you know, which is which is kind of 
silly on its face, but let's talk about the real risks of COVID-19. Okay. What are they and what should people know about it? Well, I, I, if, if you've not or people have not gotten a hold of KD, Dr. Katie O'Neill, who's infectious disease at Our Lady of the Lake, if you've not seen her in action on, by video, it's, it's worth finding one of her videos on YouTube and watching it because she does such a great job of explaining the risks to this disease. And what she says is the majority of us are probably going to get this virus. Eighty percent of us are not going to feel or experience much in the way of symptoms at all. There are going to be people who have chronic illness, uh, immune conditions, and others who are not going to do well as a result of this virus. And those are the people we're worried about. And we're worried about them for obvious reasons. We don't want them to be sick. We don't want their lungs to, to develop inflammation and, and wind up needing uh, you know, aggressive care. But we're also worried because those people, because of their symptomatology, are going to require higher levels of care, meaning hospitalization, when they get really, if they get really sick. And it's that overwhelming, if we have too many people in that category, we're afraid that will overwhelm the system and we'll get into a situation where we suddenly have to choose who gets a ventilator and who doesn't. We don't want to be there. We do not want to be in that situation. And the only way to keep from getting in that situation is to continue to reduce the number of people that are contracting this illness over and keep it that way over a long period of time as opposed to a lot of people in a short period of time. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Somebody put it this way the other day. If you knew that you had to drink the ocean, you'd rather drink it in small sips than have to drink the whole thing at once. <laughs> wouldn't survive that. You wouldn't survive that. No. So, so, and, and that's, that's so important. And information about how to deal with this is so readily available online and at the proper sources. So this doesn't mean that if you get it, you are automatically going to die. Oh, no. Far from that. Far from that. That's one thing thing I'd like you to elaborate on for for everybody who's panicking about it. I I hate to go back to the flu, but it's similar to the flu that if you get the flu, you're way likely to just notice some symptoms and some illness and some a little bit of uh, maybe low-grade fevers, uh, body aches, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, it'll go, it, it, the flu typically goes two or three days, you feel bad, and, and next thing you know, it's gone. It's over. That's pretty much how most viral illnesses act, whether it's influenza or whether it's uh, uh, adenovirus or rhinovirus or coronavirus. They're going to act like a, a viral illness. The difference between this particular strain is where as many viruses attack the upper respiratory tract, meaning uh, nose, throat, uh, upper tract, this virus, when it goes haywire, affects the lungs. And the lungs, when you get your lungs affected, it causes different symptoms, and that symptom being shortness of breath. But that's a very that's going to be a minority of the people. The majority of the, of the people that come in contact with this virus and actually become infected with this virus are going to have mild symptoms, and it's going to pass. And then they're going to be okay. You can go through the process, deal with it, but you can be okay on the other side. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as this is going on and, and more and people tend to spread this from one person to another and you got this guy that has mild symptoms and, oh, this guy's going to have mild symptoms, somebody's going to take a lick. Somebody's going to have a, a, a harder or a more severe case for one reason or another. Either that person has chronic lung disease or is on uh, having, you know, has you know, receiving chemotherapy or on chronic prednisone therapy or whatever, and all of a sudden their symptomatology is going to be more than just simple viral feeling aches and pains. They're going to feel the shortness of breath. Their lungs are going to get inflamed. They're going to feel like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, and they could develop pneumonia. And that's the dreaded complication of this. And when people say, well, when should I be concerned? When should I be concerned? And the answer is, if you start to notice that you are short of breath when you get up and walk across the room, and when I mean short of breath, that means you can't catch your breath. That's when you know that your lungs are being affected. That requires a phone call to your, to your, to your physician or primary care provider. You know, I, I said to you earlier, uh, uh, kind of sent you something saying about the areas that I wanted to talk about. And most of the questions I got were about things like martial law and government takeovers. And, and those are questions that, that are posed to the mayor and the chief and the sheriff. Uh, the, and I got a couple other medical questions, but one in specific, one in particular is one I got from someone I respect a great deal who talked about Dr. David Aegis uh, being on CBS talking about a medicine called Plaquenil. Right. And that if they have COVID, it is something they should ask for. And uh, this person has lupus and has, she has it uh, as she deal, uh, uses it. So what about that? Well, Plaquenil has come out, and there's been a study out of France that showed uh, tremendous success using Plaquenil. The other, dr- the other name of this medication is called hydroxychloroquine. And there's a, uh, another drug called chloroquine. All of these drugs are in the same sort of category, but hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine are medications that are anti-malarial drugs. They've been used for 70 years. Uh, the you know when our GIs went overseas in the Vietnam War, they took chloroquine to prevent malaria. So it's been around a long time. It's deemed very safe. It's readily available. It's been historically ineffect, uh, in, uh, inexpensive. So this French study showed dramatic improvement in the pneumonia associated with the COVID uh, virus in people that were given hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. So the answer to your question is. If a person is developing pneumonia or developing shortness of breath at rest, like we talked about a minute ago, that would be an indication to let their provider know, I need a prescription for, for Plaquenil, which hmm. is the same name as hydroxychloroquine, which is the same yeah. drug as hydroxychloroquine. And, you know, it, at this point, the, the jury is still out. We're trying to understand exactly when we should prescribe it, how we should prescribe it, when people should take it. And and uh, but at this point, it doesn't hurt to ask if you get if you are starting to develop lung shortness of breath. Hmm. Interesting. One of the other questions was about affecting or trying to protect elderly relatives other than staying away. What are some things that you can do to help an elderly relative that you may be a caretaker of or, or either directly or from a distance? What can you do to help them in their cause? 
Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you hate to say the word stay away, but depending on what you're talking about, I mean, the, the elderly person is obviously extremely vulnerable, and it's very dependent upon you, the caregiver, to wash your hands, keep your distance, um, you know, doing all the things that have been blasted all over all over the Internet to say to keep yourself free from disease. Now, again, we've talked about this. You can walk around for three or four days completely asymptomatic and not know that you've, you're even carrying disease. So if you have an elderly person in your home who is particularly vulnerable, might not be a bad idea just to go one step beyond when you're when you're dealing with them and just uh, you know try not to interact too closely with them hate to say that but it's just the truth i mean i know when i go home every day to my family i, I don't know that i haven't been exposed and i got i have to be very careful and make sure that i'm super careful during the daytime to constantly wash my hands every time i think about it wash my hands I go around the office and I'm wiping down the doorknobs with with the with the proper wipes and just trying my best to not bring home this virus to my own family. So I think that's it's incumbent upon us as caregivers of other people to do the best we can to stay away from anybody who's sick, keep our hands washed, keep our hands off of our face, and do everything we can to prevent this illness. And in the event that someone believes he or she has the symptoms of this, what should they do? Call their doctor. Just got to call your doctor. Yeah. And we're, there's the, the clinical providers in this community have been educated on exactly what to do. Now, understand, and, and this has happened uh, all week long, you get a phone call, hey, doc, I've got a fever. I was in New Orleans last week. Okay. First thing we're going to have to do is make sure that you don't have the flu, which would be probably more common, frankly, than COVID. So let's let's treat let's let's look for a common cause of fever dur- during flu season, that being the flu. So the first thing we would want to do is do a nasal swab, which takes about 15 minutes, and we've had patients literally drive into the parking lot all week long, where nurses run out swab their nose, we go back inside, run the flu test. If the flu test is positive, hallelujah. We got the, I know that sounds crazy. Hallelujah, you got the flu. But we've got, you know, medication for that. If your flu test is negative, that throws a curveball into anything into everything because at that point you don't you may or may not have the flu because the flu test, the flu swab is not exactly perfect. There's still some false negatives. But that puts you in a category where you may have COVID, but you may have any other virus as well. So at that point, who gets tested? And the answer is not many people because we are so carefully trying to conserve test kits. So far, we're only testing or recommending that people with fever, shortness of breath, who happen to be pregnant or immunocompromised or babies less than 10 weeks, or healthcare workers who've got direct contact with confirmed COVID positive cases. But you know, if you if you go testing everybody, it takes five days for four to five days for the test to even come back. The very first test that I did on Monday on a patient still is not back yet. So regardless, wow. if you flu test negative, 
and you don't know what you have, you have to you have to quarantine yourself until we know. Hmm. Well, is there any other information that you think the public should have from your perspective about this? I think I think my my somebody asked me what are you mostly afraid of and what i'm mostly afraid of is people are not listening they're not paying attention and they're not taking this seriously they my my recommendation is take it seriously listen to the experts tune into the our lady of the lake website and anytime you need resources turn to the lake and turn to your doctor's office whatever you need to do but listen and pay attention and believe it it is real we've got to pay attention well, I think that it's it's important that people that people listen to what you're saying. And listen, if there's any information about this or anything you want to get shared out with the public, you know, Doc, you know, you got a platform here anytime and every time. You got it. Uh, and I look, what you do, Clay, is unbelievable. Your dedication to this community has been just profound, and I can't thank you enough for everything you're doing. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate it. Lake Men's Health put a plug in, too. If you don't know about it, Google it. It's worth the time. Thank you, Doc. All right. Hi, this is Mayor Sharon Weston-Broom inviting you to listen to the We BR podcast, an initiative of my Women's Advancement Commission. Our show will air the first and third Wednesday of each month. We invite you to listen to our podcast by visiting www.podcast225.com. That's www.podcast225.com and by subscribing through the Apple Podcast app. That's We Be Our Podcast. This is The Clay Young Show. Oh, if you could only hear the conversation before we start recording. Back with Baton Rouge Police Chief Murphy Paul and the Sheriff of East Baton Rouge Parish, Sid Gotro, both in studio talking about COVID-19 and really dealing with some of the rumors that you guys have been, uh, you've been hearing that have been spread all over social media. And I think a great resource for the truth, for the facts, are the guys who run law enforcement. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing fine, Clay. Thank you for having me. Well, glad to have you here, Chief. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. So let's start at the beginning. All of the misinformation about what's going on with COVID-19. Yesterday, it just seems like somebody on social media must have been pushing this stuff out. I heard everything from there's going to be martial law to they're going to shut down the bridges. Law enforcement is going to take over the gas stations. They're going to run people out of grocery stores. And, And people shared that stuff. So I'll ask you both to speak to that. Martial law, tell us about it. There, there are no plans for martial law in this state. Uh, there, there's uh, no plans to close or to quarantine uh, any city uh, in the state at this time. Uh, there are no plans to close the state for two weeks. There's another one that was her Look, there are National Guard uh, that have been deployed down uh, to help uh, get supplies uh, with medical facilities uh, in the preparation stage. Uh, you know, in the event that the worst thing happens, they're down here uh, helping to uh, create uh, uh, support for yeah. the different cities across the state. But that is just simply not true at this time. There is no martial law in this state, and we need to stop <laughs> speaking that and, and, and sharing that misinformation yeah. uh, on social media. And, and I agree with everything uh, Chief just said. Uh, you know, the rumors are running rampant, and I know that's the the reason for your 
podcast today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clay, it's, we've all heard it, you know, just what you just mentioned, all of those things. One thing that's going around, I've had family members, friends, employees sending me this, this email, and it's going around that uh, in, as soon as they get enough federal troops in place, they're going to shut everything down. Uh, that is not true. Uh, and, and, and you read the email, it's the same email every time, but it's one time it says, I got a close friend in the CIA, I right. got a friend in Washington, I got a friend at the Pentagon. Right. Those things are absolutely untrue. And, you know, what we need to do right now is not panic. Mm-hmm. We need to come together. I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, whether you like the president or don't, or you like the governor or don't, right. just adhere to, to what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And if everybody would use common sense and realize that this is not a hoax, right. it's, it's real, and come together as a nation and as a people to, to, to help fight this. And the best thing you can do is all the precautions they've told you to take. Yeah. Uh, you know, wash your hands repeatedly, stay, use social distance, yeah. distance and stay away from uh, crowds. Yeah. You know, that that is the biggest thing they can do, and why? Because we want to limit the spread of this disease. Now, we started uh, three and a half weeks ago preparing for this. Yeah, we started looking at our policies we had in place and our procedures, and we've had to change those just as the chief has mm-hmm. from day to day. Because this is something we've never been faced with. I've been in law enforcement 42 years, gone through a, a, a ton of hurricanes just like the chief has. Uh, and, you know, we we know we're well equipped to deal with those things. And we're going to deal with this. I want to tell the public we are ready and prepared for this. But this is a thing that's evolving. And as the chief and I spoke the uh, day before yesterday, it's not only changing uh, week to week or hour to hour, but I mean, every every minute something comes yeah. up that you got to change. But I know the chief and myself uh, are both imploring the public to just use common sense. You know, adhere to to the the the, the decrees put out by the governor and the mayor to to you know do the things I just mentioned mm-hmm. and more. And if they would do that, we may be able to curb the spread of this disease. And that's the whole focus of all of this right now is just trying to cope. But people need to remain calm. I know all of us in this room are Christians and, and we pray to our God every day. And that's what people just need to do. Stay calm, prepare and pray. So you, you both run your respective agencies. And so you've got men and women and under your command, who have families and people, some of them that they're taking care of. How are you adjusting your staffs to the quote unquote new normal as it relates to COVID-19? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things we recognize, you know, we got to take care of our first responders first, our officers, you know, they are out there uh, still policing uh, in the police department and the sheriff department. And look, they too have anxiety. They have concerns. Uh, obviously, you know, they, they know that there's there's potential to get exposure. And yeah, that creates stress to think that you can be exposed and then take that home to your family. Yeah. And I think it's important for us as leaders to make sure that we're communicating uh, to our officers. Uh, I know our mayor today 
uh, sent out uh, correspondence uh, to all our first responders, uh, acknowledging the support and that we're doing our part to get them the uh, protection, the, the personal protection equipment that they need so that they can do their jobs. Uh, and is also reaching out to our wellness programs. You know, our EAP officers are uh, communicating messages. We've been sending out uh, bulletins and uh, uh, with uh, documented information on what families need to do. Uh, educating on what, what they're going to experience uh, as first responders. So having that education, uh, having those conversations uh, with our commanders, uh, with our officers and letting them know, look, we, you need to empty those cups of stress. Right. And when those police officers, when those deputies uh, feel that uh, they need a timeout, it is our responsibility to make sure that they get a timeout. What does right? that look like? Well, there's certain things, right? Getting time off because we want them well rested. You know, when situations like this happen, uh, there's long hours, anxiety, but making sure that we're paying attention to our officers and listening to them and giving them those opportunities to reduce that stress. That may be, you know what, you need some time off, you know, to go spend with your family, approving leave, to stay home and isolate uh, with your family. And also, you know, we run across these situations where some of our, our first responder want to self-isolate. Yeah. Right. Because they may have been in contact with somebody, another loved one who may be symptomatic. So yeah. giving them the opportunity so they don't feel guilty about that, uh, but giving them the opportunity to have that self-isolation. So these are the things that we deal with every day that the sheriff talked about. But I think it's important for us to have those conversations with our staff mm -hmm. to listen to what our officers are experiencing. Uh, you know, we, we have daily briefings. Uh, yeah. I have my daily briefings. The sheriff has his. And I tell you, and then we have one together. You know, the okay. sheriff and I got together when I make decisions in the Baton Rouge Police Department on how we're going to police, what steps we're going to take as a police agency mm -hmm. uh, to practice social distancing. Right. Then the sheriff and I need to be on the same page because it sends a wrong message when we're policing one way and the sheriff department is policing a different way. Right. So we sat down with all police chiefs and leaders in the parish, all of our um, Zachary PD, uh, everybody, Baker PD, yeah. Central PD was there. Uh, 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 all, all the university police departments, right. the, the uh, airport police. Uh, we, we had EMS and fire right. there sure too. Was. So it, it was. It was. What a, came out of so, that meeting? Uh, I think everybody went away from there. And Chief, you can mm -hmm. chime in here. I think everybody went away from there with a very good understanding of what we are or aren't going to do, yep. uh, and what our procedures are. And I and you know we urged all. I, you you know, Chief and I, mm -hmm. we, we got our own domains, but we, we can't force other agencies to come to follow suit with what we're doing. But I think we left there with a good understanding and everybody was on the same page to do right. the same things. Uh, we we started, like I said, way back, just like uh, uh, the chief said. Number one, we're doing everything we can to protect our employees to try to ease their fears and concerns uh and starting monday and i had i'm putting that memo out at two o'clock this afternoon uh but starting monday we we're sending all non-essential persons home uh the persons that can work from home with their uh with their laptops or whatever their computers phone uh, we're asking them to do that mm -hmm. and 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 not not have to come in contact with us or the public. Another thing we've done is we've told, and I, we've implemented this already. You know, 
we've we're we're going to be there, and I want the public to understand that if they got an emergency call, they got a, a a threatening call of any kind. There's certain calls we know we have to respond to, and we prepared mm-hmm. to do that. We're going to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's so many calls that a lot of times people don't want direct contact with us. They just want a report written. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to urge people. Uh, we're not going to refuse calls, but we're going to urge people, uh, it, it, when at all possible, let's, let's communicate over the phone. We'll take that call. We'll, we'll work mm-hmm. on it and do whatever we have to. But it, we need to, we're trying to limit uh, the exposure that way. Yep. Uh, another thing we're doing, for, and, and Chief mentioned it through his wellness center, we're doing the same with ours. Uh, we've we've gotten them to work over hours. We mm-hmm. we've we're, we're now anybody that goes in and out of the prison uh, is being scanned. Uh, mm-hmm. If they if they have symptoms, they're not going to be let in. We have a we're going to have a procedure in place shortly, very shortly, that we're going to have people available uh, to uh, scan our deputies and in mm-hmm. every day. And if one of them comes up with uh, uh, symptoms, we're going to send them there to the doctor and then uh, handle accordingly. We're also procuring space as we speak that if I have any deputy that's showing symptoms and he or she has to uh, be confined somewhere for 14 days, then we're we're providing space where they can go and stay for 14 days if they have to. Mm-hmm. It's their option. I can't right. make them go there, but if, if they would prefer – to go to that location and, and be able to, uh, 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 you know, self-isolate, self-isolate, self-isolate. for yeah. 14 days mm-hmm. and not expose their family to something, then we're doing that as well. So, you know, uh, I've got uh, all the decontamination. We've already done some decontamination. Mm-hmm. Not that we've had any case that we know for sure, but if we suspect that we decontaminating offices, we decontaminating the units, and I know the chief is doing the same thing. Absolutely. And uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna just uh, continue to do that. I, it, it's it's common sense. It's right. common sense. Right. And uh, you know, Murphy, you and I had yep. a long talk about this the other day. You know, yes, the governor and the mayor have, have put out decrees, and there are laws that cover that for people right. that refuse to comply. But at this this particular time. And, and this is coming from the governor, the mayor, and, and me and, and the chief. Uh, we're asking people to comply. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to urge them not to gather. Uh, but we're not going in businesses or homes or churches and putting handcuffs on people right. and drag right. them out of there. That's right. not going to happen. Yeah. Now, I'm sure some people would probably call you to say they got some kids in the house. That he- <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. That's my house. Okay, we got, but uh, yeah, five but, boys. Yeah. Oh so. well, that's that's better than five girls. Trust yeah. me. Oh wow, <laughs> I think he beat you on that one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Well, you know, and you referenced this earlier, and and you know, the, the sheriff talked about his operation and sending people home. What about the Baton Rouge Police Department and headquarters? What are you doing there with staff? So everything he said, same thing. Monday, uh, our uh, office is going to be closed uh, with the exception. So there will be no uh, um, walk-ups for normal business. Uh, so we're changing that. However, uh, each district uh, will have a a, super, a a person at the desk. Uh, we're not encouraging walk-ins. We're asking everybody to call in. And we have expanded our telephone reporting unit. Okay. Uh, that telephone reporting unit will be uh, filled with 
Baton Rouge police officers who are going to be at our real time crime center. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've signed some uh, expansions, some uh, uh, so that we can build that out because we anticipate an increase of calls. And look, it's to do our part of social distancing. You know, you're still going to get quality services. In fact, we believe that some of those response times are actually going to go down now because we are directing non-emergency calls to our telephone reporting right. unit. And if you go to the district and we're at, we're not asking you to do that, we want you to call. But we do understand that we still have walk-ups and people that are sure. going to want to come in. We have a kiosk that is in every district. OK, they're going to be there. You get to communicate with someone in our real-time crime center, uh, not just by phone, but through video conferencing so there will be a video that will appear similar to FaceTime okay you get to actually uh, uh, put your uh, complete your report right there while you're speaking to an officer okay you can actually create a link on your cell phone if you don't want to sit in there and do it right there you can get back in your car if you're a passenger and we can actually similar to FaceTime through your phone like traffic accidents absolutely so here's what's going to happen with traffic we are not going to be uh, uh, sending a police officer out for minor accidents in parking lots. Okay. Uh, you're going to be able to take that over the phone through our telephone reporting unit. If you are involved in a non-injury motor vehicle crash, that's not blocking the roadway. And there is no disturbance between the two drivers of those occupants. And you agree. And there's no driver impairment and there's no vehicle that needs to be told. We're going to take that over the phone as well. So a minor fender bender, minor fender benders where there's no disagreement, right? Okay. We're going to take that over the phone. So we're trying to do our part in in, in social distancing. And I think that uh, 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 the community is going to be satisfied when they see that flow. We're working it out. As the right. sheriff said earlier, this is an ever-changing environment. But uh, I think we're going to see calls for services go down because we're not going to be ro- uh, responding to those code one calls for service, non-emergency calls. But what that's going to do, that's going to give our police officers more of an opportunity to have visibility, uh, to be out there patrolling uh, proactively in those areas. Uh, so that you have the visibility, but not necessarily the interaction. And I've seen units, specifically sheriff's office units, stationed in places um, and and unincorporated areas. And is is that for any specific purpose? It's all part of our emergency operations plan, and and we try to put people where we are. And and I agree with what the chief just said, and and we've already done some of that. We're also following suit on that, so I'm not going to repeat hit what he said like he said earlier we we're trying to operate on the same page so we don't have any confusion with the public but uh there's there's so much that that we've looking at i mean not only do i have to worry about my employees and and i have to make sure that we continue to serve the public as we should but one thing i noticed in the last several days and, and and murphy you've probably seen the same thing clay you probably have there's less and less traffic on the road. Oh, yeah. So that's that's a good thing because when we have to respond to an emergency, uh, like he said, less traffic on the road is another thing where mm-hmm. we can get to you quicker. Right. Uh, I have a whole other issue at the prison because I have yeah. inmates out there yeah. that, I, that we have to uh, be mindful of them, all of them as well. So uh, we've, inst- we've started some things in the prison. Number one, all of our people, anybody entering the prison, has to be scanned. If they have any symptoms, they turned away. Uh, you know, if it's our employees, you go home and, and, and shelter or whatever for the yeah. 14 days. But, uh, and like I said, we're going to have areas for them to go to if they choose to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
you know, we're, we're doing that every day. And we've, we shut down, the state shut down any transfers from any, any uh, prisons to or from. Yeah. And, and we've done that. The, the warden has, uh, has two areas of the prison uh, that he is already isolated. Uh, they, they, they're ready to take anybody in, within the prison, any, any inmate that has, has symptoms and put them in an isolation thing and give them, get the medical thing, uh, yeah. treatment that they need. Uh, we also, if you go out there, you're going to see two very large white tents out there. That's in the mm-hmm. event that we have to evacuate some of the prison or wow. all of the prison. Mm-hmm. And we made, we made, uh, that we're not, we're not, we're, we're, we told everybody we're not going to accept misdemeanor, uh, misdemeanor charges. Now, let me, exp- let me, ve- clarify that if it's a dwi if it's a domestic violence or you are violent uh individual and you exhibiting that violence to others you will be arrested uh and there's certain other cases that we murphy and myself have both specified to our people what we can and can't do we're also in a uh in a situation where uh, uh, that we probably are going to and very soon start booking at the downtown jail. We okay. worked out something with Terrica Williams on that. and uh, The that, constable. Yeah, the constable. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, she's got about 130 beds down there. Okay. And, and we're making sure that it's, it's suitable for all of them right now. Uh, and when we start doing that, that's going to help all the law enforcement because they're going to be able to go there. Uh, if if they're the person they've arrested who's exhibiting symptoms, they're going to have to take them to the next level yeah. to get checked. But we'll be able to book people in there, and then hopefully most of them will bond out. If they don't, then we're, we're having a – it just gives us an extra level of protection before we put that person in the prison. So, so let me ask you about that, something you just brought to mind. So let's say you, you are in, an, in a situation where you have to send out a deputy or officers to engage somebody, mm-hmm. either, either because of violence or whatever – What's the protocol there when your people are interacting with someone before they know whether or not he or she has any symptoms of COVID-19? Well, we go ahead. Go ahead. So, so there's a, fr- a few things we're looking at. So one of the things that you're going to notice when you call 911 now, when you call our dispatcher, there's questions that are going to be asked. We're asking okay. the community to be patient with our dispatchers or whoever is taking that call for service over the phone because there's right. lots of questions that we have to do to make sure that uh, uh, we're able to give you the best service you can and, mm-hmm. and, and, and make sure that we protect our first responders because we need them for the next call and the call after that. Right. So there's going to be a series of questions. Uh, you're going to see uh, circumstances where our uh, officers and the deputies and even our other first responding mess are going to be asking for cooperation coming outside yeah. where they're going to be asking you specific questions concerning you know, your potential uh, exposure. So we're asking the community to just be patient with us uh, with that. Uh, there are going to be calls for service, but we are going to uh, be working uh, with our health care providers and others where we identify a location mm-hmm. that is uh, uh, positive so that when we respond, we respond with the appropriate PPE, right? Personal protection yeah. equipment yeah. Uh, for certain calls for services. So we're putting together uh, uh, units that will have that, the proper equipment when we have prior notice or when we are on the scene and identify that, that we will have those first responders who have the appropriate equipment, both on the EMS side, 
both on the fire side, both on the sheriff's office side, and the BRPD side. Yeah, our guys are meeting with all That's of the correct. entities he just said as we mm -hmm. speak. Uh, and what we did originally on the onset of this, we, we took inventory of what we did have. Uh, and what we did have is certainly not enough because nobody envisioned this. It's right. not enough. And now the sh supplies are very short. But there's been avenues op opened up through MOSEP, the Mayor's Office of uh, Emergency Preparedness, and also GOSEP through, mm -hmm. through the Governor's Office. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're starting to procure all of the emergency protective gear that, we, we, that these office, deputies and officers need. So... Uh, you know, if if we know we're going into a situation, and, and and let's let's take this scenario, there's certain calls that we get on as life being threatened, and there's a fight. You know, officers and deputies are going to have to put hands on people. Right. So we got to do. So yes. it's just that we have to do that. But we're going to provide them with the the protective gear that they need, as the chief just said. Uh, when we know ahead of time we're going into something that it is. What we've done, too, uh, we've also, uh, Clay, uh, we procured a DCOM trailer. So if a deputy has had to deal with somebody that exhibited uh, uh, those symptoms yeah. or if he or she has developed those symptoms, they're going to be able to walk in one, of, one end of this trailer. It's a DCOM trailer. It says dirty, and you go in there. They take off their uniforms, take off their clothes. They're bagged. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have those clothes cleaned and, and brought back to them. But they, the, and then they'll be checked by health professionals. But they're going in one side and going dirty and coming out the other side clean. And we, like I said, we're doing the same thing with, with, with equipment and with vehicles, with offices. We're doing the same thing. We, we have to decom all of those, try to keep the spread of this disease. What are some, and this is kind of open-ended to both of you, information that you have been building over the last 10 days or so. I'm going to talk with the mayor in a bit about from a governance and policy standpoint, what mm -hmm. she and her office and, and, and the region is doing. But what information do you want the public to have sure. that that you think they need for, together and then from your respective agencies? So, so here's two things that we're looking at, and, and we hear that. What can we do? What can we do to help? So, so specifically, I would like to speak to your young listeners, okay? okay? Because our young generation out here, they're healthy, they're vibrant. They think that they can get through anything. Some don't even go to the doctors like they should. And you're like, I remember when I was in my 20s and... Maybe that was, much, that was much, a long much, time long, ago. Long, long, that was a long, long time, long time ago. ago. The sheriff was also beat me by one second. <laughs> but here's what we telling our young generation: Like, I get it. You know, we we we've had a couple of instances under the sheriff where uh, we had uh, some of our uh, community didn't take. Uh, they didn't listen to the the, the social distancing, and we had yeah, to about fifteen hundred of them. But but and, yeah, and we had to deal with that. But here yeah. here's what we're saying. I, I get that you feel healthy and young, but look, mm -hmm. maybe it's not about you right now. Right. Take the responsibility because it's about your mother. It's about your father. Or it's grandmother about or your grandfather. grandmother, yeah. your grandfather, your yeah. aunt, your uncle, yeah. somebody in your family who may have pre-existing conditions sure. that can make them more vulnerable. When you bring that home, you are putting them at risk. That's right. So let's let's be more responsible and we're going to get through this. And when we get through this, you're able to go to your concerts, do all of the things that you want to do. But right now, at this time, you are putting others at risk. That's right. So that's what we're telling the young generation. Here's something else you can do. You want to be more responsible. You want to do your duty. Give blood. You know, we talk about all of the things that are happening right now. 
you know what? You can go give blood and save the life of someone else. We are preparing for the worst. Yeah. Okay. So let's give blood out there. And another thing that we really need to do since I've been here, I've gotten several text messages from people about uh, shut the interstate system down <laughs> in the cities. Look, help us stop the rumors. And this is what I want you to do. Uh, Red Stick Ready. You can go to the uh, the city of Baton Rouge's website. You can go to uh, the sheriff's website. Our, so we're going to be putting so much information out. In fact, follow us on social media. Go to uh, Baton Rouge Police Department, the sheriff's department, uh, our mayor mm-hmm. and through her leadership. And I cannot say enough about this because I said in a conference call yesterday where we had more than 5000 uh, law enforcement officials around the corner, uh, around the world. Uh, uh, in on this call, and I have another one to deal with ICP. But here's what they're saying: they're saying all of these things that they're preparing, and I'm going through a checklist and everything they're they're attempting to do. Our mayor's already out in front of it, mm-hmm. so I cannot say enough about our mayor and her leadership and how she's pushing that information out. So if you go to the mayor's website, uh, the, the the city of Baton Rouge website. Uh, you get factual information. They're making sure that the information that our governor is putting out is being repeated at the local level. Yeah. And that's what we need help. When you see all this information on social media, go to one of the websites that I'm talking about to verify and, it. and to verify and then share that information right. and say that's not true. Don't believe that. There is no martial law. Right. There is no cities that shut down at this time. Right. Help us with that messaging piece because that creates anxiety. That creates fear. Yeah, it does. And that's what we really well, need help. Yesterday, he had to put out a statement saying that a lot of the rumors aren't yeah. true. And he addressed a bunch of that. I'm thinking, man, we have reached a place where, where the governor has to put a statement out to dispel rumors that don't really have any root in reality. That's right. And, and, and you know... Uh, this is unprecedented crisis, as I said earlier. We never experienced this. But I do applaud the mayor. I applaud the governor because we have all been on those on those conference calls. Yep. But I've been on conference calls with with the sheriffs association. I've been on the com. You know, I'm part of the major county sheriffs and uh, across the nation, and uh, I've been on conference calls with them. And I will say. I will say that we're ahead of the game. We are. We are ahead of the game. Yes, we are. Because I'm hearing them, they're telling us what you should do, what you need to do, what you need to get ready for. And for, for the most part, most of that, we've already we've already put in place. Mm-hmm. But if I may, Clay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk to about young people and all and, and how this happened in my own family. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a, a grandson get married last Saturday, and he, he and his wife – they went out. They, he's 20, 25 years old. He and his wife went out of the country for their anniversary. And, of course, urging all of our citizens out of the country to get back in immediately, he yeah. called me and asked me what my opinion was. And I said, I think you need to heed that. And I think y'all need to get back here before it's a situation where you possibly can't get right. back in. Right. So they were cutting it a little short by a couple of days. But uh, he said, well, Papa, I thought this was going to be like the flu. I said, you might be right. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, this may be another, quote, unquote, like flu virus. Mm-hmm. But I, I put it to him in this context, and I put it to, it, to, the, to the public in this context. Each year in this country, in the United States, we lose about 60,000 people to the flu. Right. And Clay, 
that's what medicines that we have that can right. treat the flu. Right. And that's what vaccines. That's right. If we didn't have if it, it and in this one, this virus, COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. there's no known medicines to right. treat it, and there's no vaccination. So and it's highly, highly contagious, and the mortality rate in certain age groups mm-hmm. are bigger. And I said, you know, I, like I told him, I said, if 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 that's why everybody, all these restrictions are being asked of people, and you as Americans. <laughs> we we got freedoms. Man, right. Look, we like to go where we want, when we want, and how we want. We don't mm-hmm. nobody restricting that, and that's one of the reasons we're in the greatest country in the world. Mm-hmm. But you know, you got to use common sense, common and that's sense. all we're asking people. Just use common sense. But I told him this. I took it further at twenty five year old. I said, I know you're invincible. I know you think you're invincible. <laughs> right. I know you ain't, you're not yeah. worried about this. Right. You've heard on the news that I probably won't get it, and if I get it, I'm probably going to survive. But think about your grandmother. Yeah. Think about your mother. Think yeah. about your aunt, your mm-hmm. uncle, your brother, your sister, older. I said, that's the people you got to worry about because yeah. you are ne- no one is going to want to know that one of their loved ones got infected by them mm-hmm. and lost their life. That's right. And that's the thing. You know, we just it's, – it's just common sense, you know. And, and look, we are – every one of us sitting in this room are men of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I put it this way, and I've had several preachers tell me this. We can have a – and I know it myself. We can have a conversation with God anywhere at any time. We can praise him. We can pray to him anywhere. Yep. The church, although it's a sacred place to all of us, it's a building. Yeah. The church isn't the building. It's all of us. Yeah. Yep. And we just got to adhere to this and, you know, stay calm and pray. Amen. Amen. What about that? He referenced that for churches because not every church is wanting to adhere to not having service, even though at every level, the president, the governor, the mayor, they've all said, look, it's not a good idea to be in crowds of more than at least 50 people, in some cases 10. What What do you say to that? Well, if I may, mm-hmm. uh, Chief, I had a talk. I know you know the mm-hmm. news yeah. article with, yep. with that one particular church, yep. and I had a very good conversation with that pastor uh, last night, a very positive conversation. And, you know, he's a man of God. He's got his he, – he, he has his – flock to tend to and uh and and you know they're first responders as well really emotionally and uh but it's like i told him i said pastor in the good book doesn't it say adhere to proper authority i and Mm -hmm. i and i said and you have an obligation that you're trying to meet to your congregation but I know you don't want to put them in harm's way. So I'm hopeful that we got that worked out. And let me say this about the whole situation. All these rumors are floating around about shutting down this, locking down this martial law and all. That's why we're asking people to voluntarily comply with all this. Because I can tell you, if we don't, and this, this thing keeps grafting up the mountain you know, and it gets that bad, those things at some point will be done. And some of them may still have to be done at some point. But we're nowhere. I don't think we're anywhere near that. Now. None of that's a reality right now as, as, as we're sitting here. And people don't, and then yeah. there were dates on it. People yeah. said it was going to happen. Oh, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't. So a shepherd is supposed to protect and guard his flock, right? Yeah. So I'll say this. You know, we talk about leadership. 
and and I can't say enough and I because watching the mayor's leadership in this time of this moment, this trying time, this unprecedented time, you know, I walked in when she had a meeting with all the faith based leaders and there were a lot of faith based faith based leaders in that room. And she had those direct and, and honest conversations about responsibility. And, you know, uh, I think that helped. And, and why we didn't see some of that in, in the city, because they listened and, and they understood what we're going through. You know, when we look at what's what's happening with the testing sites, you know, we were the first on the ground in the city of Baton Rouge with a testing facility. That is not government led. That is a voluntary site uh, uh, through the mayor's uh, leadership and, and leadership with our uh, uh, hospitals uh, in, in the city of Baton Rouge that got together and say this needs to be done. Okay, those tests came from those participating voluntary uh, hospitals who provided those tests. Over 550 in the first medical few days. rock stars, nurses and doctors absolutely have been unsung oh, no heroes, no and doubt. and that no was doubt. volunteers yeah. that was done at the local level. And yeah. let me tell you, there are a lot of other testing facilities coming up and, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But here's what I want to 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 uh, help the community to understand. You are going to see a spike in positive results. OK, that doesn't mean that there's an increase in the spread. Yeah, it's important to understand that we're doing more tests. So I analogized okay? it to somebody yep. yesterday this way. And I and and at the same time, I was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was throwing a little shade at some of our friends in the media and the way that they overhype things. Mm -hmm. And I said, picture this. Imagine there are 100 people in the room and two of them have visibly noticeable symptoms. So the other 98 don't know. And then we test and it turns out that 38 others have symptoms. Mm -hmm. Do we have 38 new cases? No. We have tested and we now have an accurate number. Exactly. So then right. Right. someone can say yesterday there were only two cases, but in the last 24 hours, it's gone from two to 38. Yes. That is dishonest reporting because the fact is there were always 40 people Absolutely. with it, but we didn't know because we didn't test. So when you see the greater numbers, yes. it shouldn't scare you to say, oh my God, no, no, no. Now we know. Exactly. And that, does that make sense? Absolutely. And Increased somebody got it when is, I said that to yes. him. It's like, oh yeah, yes. you're right. So no, the numbers haven't spiked. We now know who has it. That's why it was so important for us in Baton Rouge to get that testing as soon as possible yeah. so we can know what we know, Right. right. Uh, so we're going to see that increase. You're going to mm -hmm. see that spike. Uh, and that's because we're getting the testing out there. But we want the community to understand, remain calm. Uh, that's not an increase in spread. We're yeah. just getting these results in. And look, the next two weeks are going to be critical in flattening that curve that yeah. the sheriff talked about. Yeah. We need to flatten that curve. And we do it through compliance, social distancing, uh, self-isolation, mm -hmm. and our personal hygiene, washing your hands. Yeah, yeah. And it, it gives us all a good reason to stay away from Hiller. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I I, I've, I started social distancing with Hiller a long time ago. But, but you know, uh, it, it's just exactly what, what the chief just said. And I think in you. I mean, I'm. We all sitting up here, we're good close friends, but we do disagree at times. But I'm in total agreement yeah. with everything yeah. that's been said here. Uh, and, and that's it, you know. If people would adhere to what the government is trying to do at yeah. all levels, yeah. 
we can stop this. Sure. And and we knew that soon as we started testing, there yep. was going to be spiking cases. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and and but that's another reason why you need until we get a handle on this thing. Right. Yep. Hopefully, I hope and pray that they get a, a some medicines that respond to, and I hope and pray they get a vaccine developed. But of course, that in itself is going to take months and months mm-hmm. to to get it out to to everyone. But if ev- there's not going to be any cause in my mind unless this thing just blows out of proportion and it's right. a lot worse than what they know it mm-hmm. is already uh if everybody adheres to this and, and just uses common sense and and does what the the government is asking them to do right we may have no need to shut down things we may have no need for martial law and and a lot of it's being spurred too with that with those rumors People seeing caravans of of, of National Guard right. going down, the street, and they think, "Oh yeah, that. it's it's martial law. It's it's happening tonight." No, they're they're putting people in place because they know yeah. they have to have people in place. Looks like with we supplies do. and everything, and, and that's exactly right yeah. for a number of reasons. Yeah. It's not just moving people and equipment no. around to say we fixing to shut this place no. down. No, no, I I pray that it doesn't happen like yeah. y'all do. Yeah. yeah, but it may. But it's not now. Yeah, no, and it and it no. might not ever be if people adhere to what we're asking people them to just do. Have to listen, and that's what we're asking. And you know, I had a um, you know when when the sheriff and I got together and we call all our law enforcement leaders and we had them all in the room and 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 you know we got police chiefs and and second in commands in mm-hmm. police departments and we talked about some of the things that we're going to be doing and there were a lot of questions and there was a lot of things. But what happens in that room and, and I, you know, I, I don't know if it's unique. To, 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 to EBR. Uh, I've been blessed to travel a little bit, but I can tell you that it doesn't happen everywhere. No, okay. No. But the synergy, oh, the working relationship, the working oh, yeah, relationship that we have and to be in that room where the sheriff, Chief Paul, uh, the, the DA, mm-hmm. everybody yep. is smart police enough to State know. Police, everybody. Yeah. Everybody. LSP everybody was in, in law enforcement That's correct, was, in was there. Day. Awesome. But we're smart enough to know that part of being a good leader is the ability to listen. Absolutely. And to, to follow others. Right. And that's what we did. We began to listen to others who say, well, what about this? Well, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So so not only we're leading, we're following as well. Yeah. But what we all agree is that we're not the smartest ones in the room. That's right. The no, smartest ones right. in the room are those healthcare professionals right now. It's those CDC, those who work at the uh, uh, the, the Louisiana uh, you know, you know, Department of Hospital, the yeah. OLOL, uh, the, uh, all of these doctors and epidemiologists and all of these people around the country who are telling us that if we follow these directions, we sure. will get through this. Look, I always joke and tell people I forget something new every day. Yes, so, sir. Yes, sir. So, I mean, it's 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 just it's it's better, like you said, to listen and. You guys, and that should give people a sense of comfort that y'all yeah. are talking oh, and, and on, on, on everybody's look, on the same page. We, we, and it's been that way no, really no, nationally, no, too. When you think about it, I mean, this has been LSU largely. Games, but I, I will tell you games. this. Yes. I will we were, tell you this. Yeah. We held a meeting at the sheriff's office because mm-hmm. you walk in the front door, you go right there, and you walk through another door when you're in the conference room. Have you you've been to Baton Rouge PD? <laughs> it's like getting in the Pentagon. You know, you know what? You're going through you are, halls, floors, yeah. No, no, no. You are absolutely right. That, listen, that place so, is a fort, man. That's right. And let me say this. And, and, and if I was in Vegas, I will bet this. You survey all of your listeners, okay? okay. All, all right. of your listeners, okay. everybody who the sheriff 
happens to be the sheriff. How many we got over 450,000, right, sheriff, yeah, in, the, right. in the parish? That's largest right. parish? Are we the largest? We still are the most heavily populated. populated. Yeah, right? So most populated. So yeah. you take all of that. You know, some stuff coming. All right of now, those right? people. Matter if we're going to go a little negative Ascension Parish. We're going to go to West Baton Rouge okay. Parish. Right. We're going to go to West. And you ask all of these people in the Felicianas or anywhere in the Capital Region, and you know what they're going to tell you? It all started at Women's Hospital. Oh my God! Hey, I call foul. I call foul. You know what? You it can't really respond to that. Right here I'm not at the Baton Rouge Police Department, because here's what happens every day on Airline Highway and Florida Boulevard when people pass, they look and they smile and they say, "That's where it started." Amen. <laughs> That's that Rouge that's, Police yeah, Department. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, I bet yeah. Hiller wrote that for him. <laughs> no, yeah. but he's following a lot of Hiller's leads <laughs> right what, there. So, uh, <laughs> well, let, let me say this, man, because this is I want the community to understand. You know, let's listen. Let's listen because when when the sheriff and I sit down and state police and all of these law enforcement leaders from Central to uh, uh, you know uh, Zachary and. Um, um, Baker, and we sit there and talk. One thing we realize, when you look at all of the big events that happen here, LSU, uh, parades, where we have to work together, we we are never surprised or shocked that we will not rise to the level of our capabilities as law enforcement officers. We do it every day. That's right. Our fear is that we will fail to the level of our preparedness. Mm -hmm. And what we are doing right now, we are preparing for the worst. Yeah. Hoping for the best. Hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. And we're asking the community to join us in that by following those recommendations. Well, and it's just what you said, too, earlier. I I can tell you, are we totally prepared for this? No, and it changes every day, every hour. But we are in talking to my colleagues throughout the country. Mm-hmm. We are whole. We are ahead of the game here. No question. We are ahead of the game. I mean, you see what is coming out of larger cities, Cal- yep. you know, city and cities in California, yep. New York, and you look at here, and you don't hear that. You hear something positive about how we are attacking this every day, and that does give people some confidence that they can say, "Man," because it's you. You guys are well, not doing press conferences. You know, like the the sky is falling. Well, You're addressing are, it. One of the things we talk about, and we went through this before, where yeah. the sheriff and I it was through through some recent flooding, uh, and 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 others were uh, issuing curfews. And the sheriff and I talked about it. We say, is it time for us to issue a curfew? Fortunately, we never had to do it last time. And you know why? Because our residents listened. Mm-hmm. They stayed off the roadways. Right. A lot they of people learned lessons from yeah. A lot of people learned. And yeah. we are prayerful and hopeful that this will happen here too. Now, look, if it gets to that point, we're going to do what we have to do. Sure. But right now, we are getting compliant. And we're going to continue to I ask you will. our uh, community to keep complying, keep listening, so that we don't have to take that next step. And, let Clay, let me just say this real quick. As first responders as law enforcement, as firemen, as EMS, and I include the healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. We have to go above and beyond. We go and we walk in harm's way every, every day. Amen. And we will do that because we're public servants and we know that's our calling to right. do it. Right. But I can't say enough, especially at this time, about the healthcare profession. Yep. Those people are, are right in the middle of the present danger. 
mm-hmm. mean, they're right in the middle of it to try to help people. Mm-hmm. And I just can't say enough about them. I know none of us can. It's just, you know, those right. those people are there. And look, they got families just like we got. Mm-hmm. They do. They got and most of their families like we were born at Woman's Hospital. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. God. <laughs> That's why we never moved in there. <laughs> See, it's wow. the truth. Wow. Most of most how, of how long most have you of been the capital area were born in women's eyes. How long have you been saving that? He was waiting to get in here with you so That's he could throw exactly that. That's exactly what he's doing. You he's, know you're going to hear it again, right? Look, he's been looking at that pad. I guarantee you that might be the only thing on that written down on that pad. <laughs> so, Clay, with your with your with your uh, with your list to start calling and tell her where were you born. <laughs> Well, I'll tell y'all, I was born in the old lady lake on the Capitol Lakes. You see what he did right there? Yeah, that was a century ago. <laughs> That's exactly right. Wow. Oh, wow. Baton Rouge Police Chief Murphy Ball, East Baton Rouge Sheriff Sid Gotro. Gentlemen, thank you. All thank right, you. Thank Clint. you for having thank us. You. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors, offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money. That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. Play Young here with Charles Harvey with the Metropolitan Health Group. If someone has been in an accident or has suffered an injury and they need experienced medical treatment, they can come to Metro. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. We've been in business for over 30 years in Baton Rouge and Lafayette. We have licensed physicians mm-hmm. who've been practicing medicine for several years. They're here to get these people back on their road to recovery. If you've been in an accident, you can go today. You don't have to set an appointment. You can walk in and be seen. Absolutely. Call, have your attorney call us, get you in to see the doctor, same day appointments. Um, we cater to you. So if you've been in an accident or suffered an injury and you needed to see a doctor immediately, Immediately, you can call Metro and you can make that happen. Absolutely. So there you go. If you need a physician for physical therapy or some other medical issue, contact the folks at Metropolitan Health Group in Baton Rouge at 225-926-3343. That's 926-3343. The most important issues facing our state and our region. The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Big show today. A lot of great information. Hopefully it uh, it resonated with a lot of you. Special thanks to the mayor president, Dr. Curtis Chastain, the Baton Rouge police chief, and the sheriff of East Baton Rouge Parish, all for chiming in on COVID-19 and helping you get to the bottom of what the truth really is. That's very, very very important. Listen, also want to shout out to the people at iHeartMedia. This is the first brand new episode of the Clay Young Show to be featured 
on the iHeart app. That's right. You can access the show there as well. Podcast225.com, iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, and of course now, iHeartMedia. That's pretty special, isn't it? I think so. You can follow us on social media at ClayYoungBR on Twitter, Clay underscore YoungBR on Instagram, and just old Clay Young on Facebook. Thank you so much. We'll keep you in the loop about this. I want to have a conversation next week with Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez and Dr. Katie Fetzer about the mental impact of this because I know so many of you are <laughs> kind of wound up right now because you got to be in the house and the impact on your psyche with all of that. I know it could be crazy. And for some, it seems like, ah, it's not a big deal. But for a lot of people, you get cabin fever after being stuck inside of a place. And think about it for your kids, especially, you know, kids who are young people rather between 18 and 25. It's, it's gotta be death for them to have to be in one place at one time and not run the streets all the time. So just be aware of all of that. And you heard a lot of great information about what really is going on from sources, elected sources, medical people. So I'm just trying to cut through the noise because while social media has a very good upside with some things, the downside is that it can often be a cesspool of misinformation and people spread it. And that part is, (laughs) that part is just frustrating is the word. And you get distracted by all of the garbage out there and you need something to make you stay positive about, you know, everything that you have to deal with. So, you know, on that note, I'll leave you with something positive. I'll leave you with something that just makes you feel a little bit better. It makes me feel a little bit better to listen to Satchmo, Louis Armstrong. How can you listen to any of his music and just not want to smile? And with that, we'll get out of here. And let old Louie take you away. Louis. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, yes, sir. What a wonderful world. I don't care who you are. That's good. I see skies of blue Bye, y'all And clouds of white The bright, blessed days Dark, sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow so pretty in the sky Also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do They're really saying I love you I hear babies cry I watch them grow much more than I'll ever know, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, yes, I think to myself.
what a wonderful 